turn to Acts in chapter number 17 this morning. Acts in chapter number 17. Our text verse will be verse number 30, but I want to get a little running start to give some context to our text verse. Acts in chapter 17. Would you stand with me, please, for the reading of the Word of God? And as a way of showing respect for God's Word. Acts in chapter number 17. I'm going to ask you just to follow along with me, if you would. The Bible says in verse number 18, Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others some He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Can I tell you something, my friend? Truth is as old as God is. Truth is as old as God is. And uh, now we might have just discovered it, but truth is ageless. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And he's immortal. He's always been, always will be. And thus truth has always been and always will be. Things didn't begin to be right and wrong because man made choices. No, God's always been what God's always been and who God always is. He's holy. He's always been holy. Truth is truth. And and uh, this world can defy truth, come up with some new ideas, but that doesn't change truth. Like the little mouse that was chewing on the anvil. And as he was chewing on the anvil, he saw this little white powder gathering down, uh, uh, falling on the ground. He said, I'm making progress. <laughs> Until he felt the sting in his gum because he had chewed his own teeth off. Now, you can gnaw on the truth all you want to, but you're not going to hurt the truth. You're not going to hurt the truth. Truth's not going anywhere. These folks were always, uh, they, they, they fancied themselves philosophers and purveyors of new ideas and thoughts and the latest this and the latest that. But let, let me say, let me tell you something. If you want, listen, if you want enlightenment, you go back to truth. Amen? Not some new idea. I read two articles this week. One of them's a headline this morning. One article I read this week, man, uh, uh, an article about a man who went to the doctor in Boston with his three-year-old, had a doctor's appointment. The doctor came in to the appointment with the three-year-old and said, Are you a boy or are you... Ask the three-year-old, Are you a boy or a girl? The doctor asked the three-year-old, Are you a boy or a girl? This is the headline this morning, the Epic Times. Yale Pediatric Program Helps Gender Expansive Three-Year-Olds on Their Gender Journeys. Yale was started as an institute to train men for the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ. And now then, we're helping three-year-olds with their gender journey. 
Verse 22, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Let me tell you who he is. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though they be as the groping in the darkness because of the lack of light. They feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. Verse 30, read aloud with me, please. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. I read verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, that's Jesus, who will judge the world, by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. That's the seal of his authenticity. He is God in flesh, he raised from the dead. Verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, And others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. Some mocked, some said, we'll hear thee again, some believed. You know, the the gospel has always been met with mixed reviews. There are always those who say, yes, I believe with all my heart. And there's others who laugh and mock, and then there's some, let me think about it, and I'll, I'll review it in my mind and make my decision down the road. But may I say, dear friend, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for every man that's ever lived, ever will live. Our text is taken from verse number 30. The Bible said, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. All men everywhere. I want to take that as a title this morning. And speak to you on that subject. All men everywhere. Heavenly Father, please, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me to help your people to proclaim the gospel clearly, to compel upon the hearts of the lost to be saved, but also upon the hearts of the believers to trust your word and take thy promises and thy commands as our own. And I pray you help us to see it clearly today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Every man, all men everywhere, all men everywhere. I submit to you this morning, dear friend, that the gospel invitation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the invitation, come unto me, drink of the water of life, 
Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The gospel invitation is for all men everywhere. It is for all men everywhere. The Bible tells us there in verse 26 of our text that God hath made of one blood all nations of men. We all came from Adam, and uh, but God uh, made the nations of the world. And uh, for to dwell on the face, their dwelling place, and determine the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. The Bible says one day in heaven there will be representative of every tongue, every tribe, every nation. Amen. In heaven we'll all be singing praises to God together. Hallelujah. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all men everywhere. You and I are accountable for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know that, Pastor, that sounds good and everything, but it doesn't seem reasonable to me that uh, a loving God would let someone go to hell. It doesn't seem reasonable to me that God would allow a person who did not grow up in a gospel-preaching nation and uh, where the Word of God is spoken, that He would allow them to go to hell. May I say, dear friend, man is responsible for the sinful condition of the world. God is not responsible for the sinful condition of the world. Man has made a mess of the world. God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, as the remedy for sin and offers that remedy to all mankind. I would encourage you not to be so presumptuous as to even in inference to lay at the feet of a holy God His responsibility for man's sin. Man is responsible for his own sin. And that's why the gospel invitation is for all men everywhere. Yes, but pastor, what, what about people that have never heard? First Timothy 2.4 says, Who will have all men to be saved. God wants all men to be saved. In the fifth verse of the same chapter, he said, We have one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The sixth verse says, Who gave himself a, a ransom for all. Peter wrote in second letter, chapter 3, verse 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Titus 2, 11 says, The grace of our God has appeared to all men. And John three sixteen said, God so loved the world. And Hebrews 10, 10 said He died once for all. Listen, there is no limitation to atonement. The grace of God is available to all men. And God wants all men to be saved. He said, well, how can a man be responsible for the gospel if he hasn't had the opportunities that other men have had? Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, listen to this, there's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. In other words, the testimony of the heavens, the testimony of God's handiwork in the sun, the moon, and the stars, that testimony goes into the ends of the earth. Their line has gone out 
through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Anybody, any, you know, you can, you can, you can get your little spot of earth somewhere and put your little house there and put your little garden there and you can look up at the sky and you say, Hey, this big sky belongs to my little place right here. Amen. And it belongs to you as much as it belongs to any other man on the earth. God's heavens declare to every man in every time in every language the glory of God. Psalm 97 6 says the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Romans 1 20 says the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How can invisible things be clearly seen? The invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How? Being understood by the things that are made. Even His eternal power and Godhead. The person of God. The character of God. So that they who see these visible things which give explanation to invisible things so that they are without excuse. My dear friend, listen, the same crowd that wants to ask our three-year-olds whether they're boys or girls that somehow forgot biology class are enlightened ones from the Ivy League schools who want to thrust garbage nonsense on us are the same ones who want to tell us that your great-grandpa was a monkey and his great-grandpa was an amoeba that flew on the land from an ocean we don't know where it came from and grew legs and grew a tail and hung from a tree and now teaches in a university. Oh, you listen to me, my dear friend. The visible things. I look at this building. And I say, this is really amazing. Do you know where Bailey's Grove Baptist Church came from? The name. I love, don't you love the way people slaughter the name? About nine out of ten guest speakers that come here, they say Bailey Groves. Amen. I don't know why, but anyway. But anyway, you know where Bailey Groves came from? Bailey's, the name Bailey, were two men that owned the property on the other side over there where the cemetery is years ago, about a century ago, and gave the property to a congregation. The White Frame Church was there for years. It served as a school here in North Ashburn and also as a church. On it was a bunch of trees, a grove of trees. And thus the church became known as Bailey's Grove, amen, Baptist Church. Now, this is what's amazing to me. This grove of trees, over many, many, it didn't happen right away, but it didn't, it didn't happen right away. But over many, many, many years, those grove of trees grew into this magnificent building with wood columns. And and it's just incredible how that happened. Now, it took a long time to do it, you understand. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. It took a long, long time. He said, Pastor, uh, Surely you jest. Surely I jest. Let me tell you something. If you cannot open your eyes and walk out and see the beauty of God's creation, the stars in the sky, the clouds as they move uh, in the sky, the grass and the trees and the flowers, and if you cannot see order, you do not see chaos, you see order. And, and you take the little, the finely tuned clock of this universe and just tick it one way this way and tick it one way that way, and we spin off the earth because we're going too fast, or we get stuck to the earth because we're going too slow, you take us just another mile or two closer to the sun or a little further away 
away and we burn up or we freeze to death. You listen to me. This universe is like a finely tuned clock and it had a creator. It had a designer. Something didn't explode into such complexity. That same crowd that promotes that notion is the same crowd who wants us to bind this idea that a three-year-old might be whatever he imagines himself to be. That is, this is a good biblical word, stuffing nonsense. It's garbage. The beauty of God's creation, the visible things give evidence of invisible truths. Now follow me. How can a man who's never heard the gospel with the opportunity you've had be responsible before a holy God for the gospel? The heavens declare His glory. We can see God in His creation. John 1, 9, listen to this. The light of truth has come to every man. That was the true light, speaking, John the Baptist speaking of Christ. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He said, Pastor, how can people who have never heard about Christ as we've heard about Christ be responsible? Because the beauty of God's creation gives evidence of, of God to every man. And the light of God's truth has come to every man. He is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He said, well, Pastor, that's not fair. Listen carefully. Men reject light. Why? Because they love their sin. Men choose darkness rather than light because they love their sin. John 3, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Here light, of course, speaks of the revelation of truth. And, 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 and the great counterfeiter is Satan himself, who promised enlightenment and truth beyond what God had given in the Garden of Eden, and thus plunged man into sin. But Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world, and he's the light that lighteth every man that, uh, uh, in the world. And anybody who has seen the light of truth, whether it be in the heavens, the stars of the heavens, and the other visible things watching the animal kingdom, watching little ants work, watching the birds that fly can say, there is a, there's a creator. These things came from somewhere. I must find out how they came. And God who gives light responds to those who respond to his light. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Why do people not want to come to the light? It's called guilt. We don't want our deeds reproved. We don't want someone to tell us that we're right or wrong. And so we avoid the light. And men reject light because they love their sin. This, my friend, I submit to you, leaves every man responsible to come to the light that God has given him. Every man is responsible to come to the light that God has given him. Now, listen, you say, well, why? I don't understand. I don't understand why God would give somebody this opportunity, that opportunity. Listen, the question is this. Why would God give any of us an opportunity? 
None of us deserve an opportunity. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every man to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The truth of the matter is, none of us deserve God's grace. But God has provided His grace and given light to every man that cometh into the world. Even the heavens declare His glory. And that speech, that, 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 that line goes out to the whole world and every speech and every tongue and every language can see and understand and know there's a God and can respond to the light that God has given us. We don't respond because we're in love with our sin. And when we choose our sin, we reject light. And God holds us ultimately accountable accountable for the light that we reject. If a man chooses darkness, he is without excuse and will die in his sins. Again, Romans 1. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they that they are without excuse. I think that story, Brother Kevin Wynn, years ago, when he got saved, he had a gun in his mouth. He was going to kill himself. It's, it's, it was from California, 18-year-old boy, already in a place where he couldn't find any hope in life, and he put a gun in his mouth, ready to, take, ready to pull the trigger, and he thought, you know what? I wonder what's going to happen after I pull this trigger. That Roman Catholic family, he knew enough to know there were answers in the Bible. He said, I think I'll read something out of the Bible, then I'll do this. He got him off and started reading. Kept reading, kept reading, kept reading, kept reading, kept reading. And through the reading of God's Word himself, just by himself, reading God's Word, he came to faith in Jesus Christ as his Savior. He could not fully even explain what had happened to him. But then he, got, he read further and he said, where he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And God's power is given to proclaim the, uh, uh, all powers given unto me. Uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations. He read those passages. He said, I'm supposed to go tell others what God's done for me. Jesus is the answer. I need to go tell someone else. So at 18 years old, he told his mom and dad, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to a foreign field. I'm going, to, I'm going, to, I'm going to, the, uh, uh, to another country to tell people about Jesus. They said, you've lost your mind. What is wrong with you? He said, i got to go. He said, you're not going. He said, i got to go. Here the 18, 19-year-old young man put everything he had on in a, back, uh, a, a, a backpack and took off to Brazil. Trying to obey the Great Commission. He had no training, had no teaching. Never been to a good gospel preaching church. And he went down there and lo and behold, in his journeys in Brazil, he came across a Baptist missionary. He began to talk to this Baptist missionary. Come to find out, the Baptist missionary explained the gospel to him. He said, that's, that's what I understood. That's what I believe. He said, well, the next thing you're supposed to do after you get saved, you're supposed to be baptized. He said, well, I want to do that. The Baptist missionary baptized him. Amen. He began to travel with that Baptist missionary in the jungles of Brazil. They were going through the jungles of Brazil one day. And, uh, and, uh, and the man said, see the top of that hill right there? He said, some years ago on this trail, I was traveling the trail. And he said, God spoke to my heart. He said, go up to the top of that hill. He said, I had no reason. I didn't, I didn't know anything was up there. I didn't know why I was supposed to go up there. And, and, and it wasn't my plan to go up there. He said, but it was compelling on my heart. It was so strong, I decided to go up there. And he said, I literally chopped my way through the jungle up to the top of that hill. He said, I came to a little makeshift hut. And when I got there, a a very elderly lady came out to meet me. He said, there I was with my Bible to ask her about God. And she said to me, where have you been my whole life? He said, what do you mean? She said, when I was a little girl, I would walk out of this little hut in this mountain. They had never been off the mountain their whole life. It's been her whole life there. I look up to the heavens 
And I say, there's no way that those gods over there that we bow to could put that in the sky. I'd like to know who put them in the sky. She said, what took you so long? I've been waiting my whole life to hear about this. And she got born again. He is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You can choose to reject that life and go deeper in darkness, or you can choose to receive that light and have the knowledge of the truth. Now follow me carefully. The Bible also tells us this, that in hell, the degree of man's judgment will be determined by the light that we reject. You see, we have this notion that, it's at, that God's somehow unfair and unjust. And again, I would warn you, I would severely warn you, even in inference, to lay some injustice at the feet of God because anybody died and went to hell. That's not on God, that's on us. But to help you understand perhaps a little more, let me remind you that hell's not the same for everybody. Is hell dark? Yes. For everybody? Yes. Is hell have fire for everybody? Yes. Is hell bottomless pit? Yes. Is it a place of gnashing of the teeth and torment? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. But listen to what the Bible said in Luke 10. I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Luke ten fourteen. it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Zidon at the judgment than for you. Luke 12, 48, But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes, for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required, and to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. Listen to me carefully. Those towns that Jesus went to where they knew him from boyhood all the way up and they saw his miracles. And the Bible said he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They said, oh, that's, that's the carpenters, that's Joseph's Mary, that's their boy. Man, that's a, he said, people say he's the son of God. He ain't the son of God. I, I grew up with him. Prophet's not without honor in his own country, right? And Jesus said this. He said, you know what? Those wicked cities of Tyre, Sodom, Gomorrah, if they had had access to the truth like you've had access to the truth, it, listen, it will be better off for Sodom. Sodom was destroyed by fire from heaven. Do you understand? God was not happy with Sodom. God destroys Sodom for their sin and, 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 and consumed them with fire from heaven. And yet he said of the very towns he walked on with his own feet and healed the sick and raised the dead and did miracles. He said, some of you who've had access to the truth, you lived the same time as Christ, as God incarnate. You saw the miracles and some of you mock and reject. It will be better for Sodom in the day of judgment than it will be for you. What is God teaching? God is teaching that the severity of judgment is not based on the wickedness of sin. The severity of, or, 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 or could I say, uh, all sin is wicked. Uh, uh, the severity of sin. Our judge, the judgment of the lost is based on the light that is rejected. Which means this, you listen to me carefully. Which means to die and go to hell from a free country where the Word of God is in our language will be worse off for you than if you died and went to hell from a pagan country where the gospel is not given. If you die and go to hell from a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, it'll be harder for you than if you'd have died and gone to hell steeped in a false religion your whole life. 
Because we are held responsible, not just for the severity of our sin, we are held responsible for the light that we reject. And I submit to you that it is 100% biblical that every man everywhere must repent. We are commanded every all men everywhere, all men everywhere. And of all people, men from this place, at this time with such access to the truth, will help be held responsible before a holy God. I say to you, number two, not only is the gospel invitation for all men everywhere, but the promises of God are for all men everywhere. Now, I realize that many of the promises in the Bible were given to someone else specifically. But I would also remind you that Paul wrote to Timothy in the New Testament, all Scripture. That means Genesis. That means Exodus. That means Leviticus. That means Numbers. That means Deuteronomy. That means Joshua. That means all the books of the Old Testament. That means the entire revelation of God to man in the Word of God is for us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It is for doctrine, for instruction in righteousness. Every bit of God's word is for me and you. Now, you might read a story where God said this to the woman who had an issue of blood, blood, and God said this to Peter, and God said this to this group of people. Yes, we understand that. The, the Bible was not all written directly to me. The whole Bible was written for me. And everything in the Bible is for me and for you. God's promises are not all to us necessarily, but they are for us. And listen to this statement. God's promises tell us something about the nature of God. The commitments that God makes to to His people, to groups of people, or to all mankind, as many of the promises are, uh, uh, tell us something about the, the nature of God. And I submit to you, here's what we think. We think, well, those are, that's, that's not for me. The promises of God are not for me. Let me give you an example. The Bible says this. In Ephesians, that as a child of God, Ephesians 1.6, I am accepted in the beloved. I am accepted in the beloved. That's God's promise to you and I. I am accepted in the beloved. I got a question for you. How many times has the old enemy come, crawled upon your shoulder, whispered in your ear, and told you the opposite? How many times he said, you know, you don't really fit in there. Uh, there's God's people down there, but you don't belong there. You don't fit in there. You're not like those folks. Well, they preach and teach. That. That's not you. You're just not that kind of a person. I have a question for you. Are, I want you to say out, uh, amen out loud if you would, please. Are you born again? Uh, say, try it again. Are you born again? Amen. Then you're accepted and beloved. But I don't feel accepted. He didn't say feel accepted. He said you are accepted. It said you are accepted. You see, the devil comes and he lies to us. He said that doesn't apply to you. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, that doesn't apply to me. It works for other people. It doesn't work for me. No. When God said, my, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hey, listen. You can take that for yourself. The promises of God's word are for us. I love Romans 2.11. There is no respect of persons with God. There is no respect of persons with God. Listen. God doesn't respect me just because I have this amazing physique. Why are you laughing? God doesn't respect you because of whatever you bring 
to society or your brains or whatever, brawn, whatever. No, no. God's no respecter of persons. God doesn't respect me because of my lineage. God doesn't respect me because of my social standing. God doesn't respect me for our financial standing. No, God, listen, we are all made in the image of God. Amen. And God has no respect of persons. And can I tell you something, my dear friend? I think about that. I, I think about how that, how that, what God has done for others, He'll do for me. The songwriter said, it's no secret what God has done, what He's done for others, He'll do for me. He'll do for you. Let me tell you something. I, I think about James 5, 17. Where it speaks of men of like passions. Of like passions. Sometimes, studying the lives of these great men, you think, man, those guys were amazing. But they were not superhuman. I think God tells us about the, the, the we, might, we would call it depression today. David's depression. David's dark thoughts. And I don't want to live anymore. Job's thoughts. Elijah got there in his life. Jeremiah got there in his life. And others. Why does God tell us those things about these men? To say, they're human like you are. And those promises that God gave to these men are promises for you and I. I think about Elisha. After Elijah was caught up in the fiery chariot. And the cloak fell. Elijah's cloak fell. As he was taken off in the chariot. They had just come across the river. And Elijah took the cloak and he smote the waters. And God parted the waters. Amen. And he walked across. And then God comes and, the, and those chariots. chariot comes and takes the man of God, Elijah, off to heaven. His mantle falls. And Elisha picks it up. He's walking back to the house. He gets to the river. He says, where's the Lord God of Elijah? This is Elisha, his successor. Where's the Lord God of Elijah? He smites the water. And the Lord God of Elijah became the Lord God of Elisha. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Can I tell you something? David's God is your God. Elijah's God is your God. Amen. Oh, listen, my dear friend. I, I, I think about the promises of God's word my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Does God do things for you that He did for the men in the Bible? Absolutely. Elijah prayed that it might not rain. Three and a half years it didn't rain. Then he prayed again that it would rain. Can I tell you something? God can do that for you. You know, about a year ago, uh, uh, Dr. Williams standing in the pulpit right here telling us all about the popcorn farmer out in the Midwest. And terrible, terrible storms were coming uh, they had to get it in the field to be able to harvest the popcorn, uh, 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 harvest the fields, but the torrential rains were set. They couldn't get in the field, and here comes rain. And he said, he called, he said, please pray, please pray. If the rain comes, he said, I'll lose my entire harvest. And he said, let's pray. And they prayed together. And right in the middle of the Midwest, amen, about two miles in every direction, torrential rains, one little spot right here. Amen. God opened up the sky, amen, and kept it dry, Amen. And one God-fearing, praying popcorn farmer was the only one to have his harvest that, 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 in that region in that, in, that, in that fall. And God blessed and God honored that. Listen, I'm saying what God has done for someone else, He'll do for you. Amen? He'll do for you. The promises of God are for you and for me. I think about how many people are living in fear these days. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But God has not given us the spirit of fear. But a power and of love and of a sound mind. All sure there's plenty to be afraid of. But Psalm 27, 1 is for me and it's for you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I told my wife this week. I read another article this week. Maybe, maybe it was last week. And uh, it was uh, uh, about neuroscience. And in the article, it talks about uh, how that they have discovered that fear interrupts neurotransmitters in the brain that interact. Your, your brain and your gut are, are very closely related. That's why you, if, you, if you've got problems here, you have problems here. A lot of stomach issues God's people have because of what's going on up here. That's scientific and that's biblical. But in this particular article, talking about how fear interrupts uh, 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 neurotransmitters that are necessary for that uh, uh, for the creation of natural immunity. And the article outlined clearly, I can't give you the scientific jargon that was used, but it outlined clearly how that fear destroys our immune system. You know, science is always catching up with the Bible. We now know that fear destroys our immune system. Can I help you? Being afraid of getting sick will help you get sick. Job said it this way, The thing that I have greatly feared hath come to pass. There's science behind that statement. Well, it's, science is just truth. That's what it is. Not science so-called like much of the world has statement. I'm talking about actual science. Study and observable and so forth like that. Job said, The thing that I have greatly feared hath come to pass. Let me say that. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Yes, I'm not saying fear is sinful. Our bodies are made to be on high alert, but they're not made to live on high alert. Your adrenaline is something that helps us in a panic situation, a fight or flight situation. You need to, if you're going into, rushing into battle, but you're not supposed to live that way, atmosphere of fear. Oh, there's a God in heaven. Amen. There's a God. And first of all, if you're born again, if you're born again, if you're born again, that could happen to you is what? You die and go to heaven. God's promises are for you and I. They're for you and I. All men everywhere. Look at our text here. Let me finish up with this. Let me finish up with this. Go back to Acts 17 if you would with me. And look once more at our text. God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Do you know what those highbrow philosophers of that day did not have? We have responsible than any generation ever before us. It's just like I believe in, in hell one day, there will be a degree of God's mercy. We do not have access to the same light, thus did not reject as much light as others. I won't revisit that. But... If I understand this passage right here, God is saying we are more responsible than repent. The commands of God are for all men. No, not all of them are written to us directly, but they are for us. Any Ephesians 4.32 commands us, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgive. The pastor, you don't understand my circumstances. It's for all men everywhere. Clearly says if you refuse to forgive, God says I won't forgive you. God will deal with us according to how we deal with others. The commands of God are for all men everywhere. Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Give and it shall be given. It shall be given unto you. Start to give. And it shall be given unto you. Exception to this command. That promise is for you and for me. 
among our people. I mean, story after story of story of someone come to that place by God's grace, I'm going to time faithfully. Some of those folks have followed up with me and said, Pastor, God's helping me and I see God's hand. Those promises are for you, dear friend. How many people have said, God paid for me, a promotion came. I, I'm trying to honor the Lord and God has honored me just like as because God's commands and God's promises are for all men everywhere. Amen? Don't do you. I think about the fellow that's coming home from work. He said, Lord, I love our Coca-Cola. We ain't got no Coca-Cola to have my life. You got to get craving a Coca-Cola. <laughs> just, I was digging in, I was digging in the cabinet earlier today and just random Coke was on the way home. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? God's promise. If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and pray for him. I'm not, I don't believe in faith healers. I believe in faith healers. Call me to the healing ministry. I have a word to help you with that. Called you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's commanded you. And along the way, as you fulfill the commission that God has given you along the way, you'll see God heal some folks just as we have many, 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 many times here. That, that's no more biblical than God gave me a ministry to, uh, 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 to fix some flat tires along the way. Some folks get saved because you pull over and help them fix the flat tire, but God hadn't called you to fix flat tires. Available to God's people, James chapter number 5. In my office, I have recorded, literally, uh, I'm talking about eyesight restored. I'm talking about tumors. I'm talking about barren wounds. That uh, told, and those barren wombs open. I know God can heal. Does God choose to heal everybody? No. But my point is this: that promise in James chapter five for me, God wants to do that kind of thing for you. Now you can let God decide. God knows what's best. Sometimes it's best for us to have affliction. Sometimes God wants us to go through sickness. And He wants us to cut the Bible up and, and, and say, well, that was written to this people over here, to the Jews. Did you ever, did you stop and think that the Jews' body is shaped a lot like the Gentile body? That He gave in every generation and say, boy, if that's what God wants, if that's what God likes, and that's what I want to do, and that's the way I want to live. Listen, quit cutting the Bible up and putting this over in this segment and over in that segment. Everywhere. Can I challenge you? What are that? Who told you that? Well, I'm just I'm just shy. I don't know some people. And 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 I'm talking about folks. If you got sweetest, most compassionate soul winners, they said, Don't you let the devil cut the Bible up and say this and say that this is for me. I'm gonna claim this one. I'm gonna make this my promise. Are you a very present help in trouble? Are you worried? Are you anxious? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen. The gospel's for every one of us. The promises are for every one of us. The commands are for every one. And it's for you. Let's bow our heads, please.